0: This podcast is sponsored by the Wilson Center, but it doesn't have to be. It could be sponsored by your firm. Just imagine it. A crescendo of electronic tango, Some love for your company and the enduring gratitude of our listeners. Interested? Reach out to us at lap at That's L-A-P at wilsoncenter.org.
1: Welcome back to the Argentina Project podcast, brought to you by the Wilson Center. I'm your host, Benjamin Gadan,
0: And I'm your producer, Katie Hopkins. Today on the podcast, Benjamin is joined by Nicolas Saldias, a senior researcher here at the Wilson Center's Argentina Project, to discuss how Argentina's powerful unions and restive social movements could complicate life for whoever wins Argentina's presidential election.
1: On to our interview. Nicolas, you've been following the Argentine election closely, including the two presidential debates, this fairly impressive rally that Mauricio Macri was able to organize in Buenos Aires. All of this has given the impression that the judgment was premature following the August primaries, and that in fact, there's a perception now that Mauricio Macri has a chance at least to make it to a second round, that the idea that he was a dead man walking following August um, was a rush to judgment. Is that how you view the scenario heading
2: towards Sunday's election? Uh, While Mauricio Macri has been able to mobilize his voters throughout the country with the Si Se Puede uh, rallies, and the most notable being in Buenos Aires, where hundreds of thousands of Argentines went, it was important because it signaled that his party is able to mobilize large numbers of people, which used to be almost the exclusive purview of Peronism. That's a significant development in Argentine politics. That being said, it is unlikely still that Mauricio Macri will make it to the second round. All polls, as questionable as they may be, still suggest that not only will he lose, but he may even lose by even larger margin in the first round, in the Paso, for example. So it's still to be seen, but I think it does show that the opposition is still alive and well in Argentina.
1: The sense that the opposition is alive and well is is significant not only in how President Mauricio Macri performs, but of course, there's a congressional race, there's the governor's race in the province of Buenos Aires. What else should we be looking for that would help us evaluate the sustainability of this political movement, the Cambiemos coalition, the
2: pro-political party? Well, it will be whether or not they stay together in the next government, whether or not they can act as a coalition, as a party, and not have um, defection from the party lists. For example, if Macri also is reelected in Buenos Aires in the midterms next next in the next administration will be important, as well. And what will happen to somebody like Vidal? Will she be able to, uh, put become a presidential candidate in twenty twenty four with the same party behind her?
1: That's Maria Eugenia Vidal, the governor of the province of Buenos Aires. Uh, we have the city race, of course, where it seemed like it would be the last, uh, was the original bastion of the Cambiemos coalition and the pro-political party. You've talked about keeping the coalition together. I imagine you have in mind whether the radicals will be wooed by Alberto Fernandez, the um, Peronist candidate who was successful for a time in bringing the radicals to Peronism under Nestor Kirchner, if I remember correctly.
2: Yeah, the radicals. Is- So in the first administration, Nestor Kirchner's administration, there was a lot of radicals that did uh, go to uh, kirchnerismo, I guess you could say more than peronismo. Um, It was a movement that allowed Kirchner to have governability, which was very important in the first administration. Um, And I'm certain that Alberto Fernandez has the connections and the knowledge to at least attempt that as well. So again, it will be interesting to see whether or not Cambiemos is able to maintain its cohesion as as defection seems more and more profitable in the next administration.
1: Yeah, we've certainly been focusing a lot on the diverse coalition that Alberto Fernandez has cobbled together from the far left kirchnerismo to, to the centrist and traditional Peronist governors. You are focusing on the Cambiemos coalition, which of course does have its various elements and would be vulnerable to fracture should it not have the um, you know, unifying force of power and money.
2: Well, it's also a question of whether or not Alberto Fernandez will succeed in dealing with Argentina's economic problems. If Alberto Fernandez is unable to tackle inflation, if he's unable to reduce poverty, if he's unable to bring back growth, he may have a short political life, so to speak. Um, Argentina is a country where political capital matters a lot to keep coalitions together. And Alberto Fernandez has to show very quickly that he's able to get the situation under control. Within his own coalition, um, Juan Guarabois, who is the head of um, CITEP, which is one of the picoteno movements, has said on TV, I'm giving him 100 days. So there's already signals that there's, the expectations are very high for him. And given the context of Latin America right now, that could actually be very problematic if he doesn't uh, deliver Argentines the kind of promises that he's making.
1: It's interesting, the picture you paint. I mean, look, looking around at recent protest movements now in Chile, recently in Ecuador, political uncertainties in Peru, and Haiti, um, one might think Argentina would be particularly prone and vulnerable to protest movements. But if they were to occur, wouldn't they be occurring now under this non-Paranist government versus a Peronist government likely to be elected with a lot of support from unions and the very civil society protest movements that Cristina and, and her political movement have have long controlled?
2: Uh, I wouldn't say so, because first off, the election is happening next week. And I think people realize that Alberto Fernandez has a very significant chance of winning. So people are just having a wait-and-see attitude to this sort of situation. Also, unlike other countries in Latin America, Argentine civil society is highly organized. So that means that you do have structures that can maintain popular dissatisfaction, but it can also unleash it. And so this is the po- the poison chalice, so to speak, of Argentine civil society.
1: So it's interesting. So the idea of this democratic outlet for discontent may be calming the Argentine streets right now, a political transition coming up soon. But even under a Peronist government, there is this possibility that absent general strikes, you may still see organized civil society expressing some frustration.
2: Yeah, you already have seen this. Um, recently, uh, a lot of the far-left Picotero movements we're occupying the Nuevo de Julio in Buenos Aires. And so the thing is, is that in Argentina, you have social movements which do not respond to Alberto Fernandez and Peronism, which are on the far left. And they're highly mobilized. They're a small number of people, but they're very vocal and they're very, um, how can I put it? They have a, a strong street presence. And so it will be important for the government to try to marginalize or keep those groups small and keeping the main Piquetero unions and other movements on their side.
1: And, Nicolas, these are the movements that have their origin by and large with the 2001, 2002 economic crisis?
2: Well, actually, they go back a bit further than that. Um, the, the origins of the Piquetero movement uh, were in 1997, 1996 in now again, in the south of Argentina, and other parts of the interior. Um, and then by 1997-98, they had integrated themselves into the Grand Buenos Aires, La Matanza, for example. And from there, they, they grew significantly with the economic crisis and the unemployment crisis that hit Argentina by 2001, as you stated. And after that, they became significant political actors.
1: Look, before we conclude, you know, looking forward, it's all hypothetical now. Of course, we don't know who's going to win, what their congressional majorities will be like, their coalitions of governors. Um, If it plays out as we think it might on Sunday, um, what is the you know, possibility that you get these early wins and and the scenario that you've been pointing out, which has been quite dark, um, plays out very differently. That you have a consolidation of Alberto Fernandez's power. You have this strong coalition of Peronist governors. You have a couple quick economic wins. Maybe the market is calmer because the political uncertainty is resolved. Then what do we see?
2: Well, if there is a positive outcome uh, for Alberto Fernandez, that will be important for him to consolidate his own power, um, that will give him the political capital to potentially um, stem fears that the divisions within Peronism can stall his his own agenda and may actually help isolate Cristina Fernandez's Kirchner's influence inside the party. If he does not succeed, that will increase la grieta, so to speak, inside Peronism. Um, it will be interesting to see whether or not Alberto Fernandez can actually capitalize politically on any type of economic success that he may see. A lot will depend on the 2021 20, midterms.
1: And, and as you know, you've know, you suggested, he's obviously entering office without any real tailwinds, um, either externally, you have a continued trade war by all by all accounts. Um, the commodity prices are modest, and then internally, obviously, the finances are in disarray. Nicolas Saldias, thank you for joining us again. We really appreciate your insights, and we'll talk after the election. Perfect, thank you. And thankfully, our producer is a wonderful editor.
0: That's me, Katie Hopkins. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to the Argentina Project podcast on SoundCloud and sign up for our weekly newsletter at wilsoncenter.org slash weekly dash asado.